0: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore.
2: I guess I'll get a bi-pride flag. I don't really like the bi-pride flag, but I am bi-proud.
1: Oh my God, there's so many goddamn flags. Who I know. can keep track? I like them all, but you you need a decoder ring <laughs> to so figure out flags. exactly who's coming down uh, the street at a at your average pride print.
2: Hi, this is Margaret Cho. You're listening to The Margaret Cho. Today, we have a very special pride episode with the incredible Dan Savage. He is um, hes amazing, and I'm so excited to talk to him on this very special Pride, Pride, Pride episode. If I could write a musical, I would do that. You would be have to be able to write um, an opera, because Beth, that's what a musical is. It's a libretto. It's actually one very long song. Is a, Because you have to keep referring to it.
1: Sometimes I refer to musicals as tolerable operas. Yes. I find opera itself to be intolerable.
2: Opera itself can be really intolerable. It can be really annoying, although there's a couple of songs in operas that I do really enjoy. But in general, the whole of opera it, it, as a format is really boring.
1: I gave opera a chance. I'm not one of those people who went to one or listened to something and never – I dated a guy. For, I was with a guy. We were partners for five years who had been a professional boy soprano and he dragged me to a million operas. So I gave it a fair shot. But like the last couple of times he dragged me to the opera, I waited in the lobby for hours <laughs> for the uh, torture to end.
2: It would be a lot to just sit there. I mean, it depends, I guess, on what it is. I do like a spectacle and I do like a show that has a lot of costumes and large voices. But I do think that um, it does drag. You know, it is not not. But yes. I, I do love drag. But I don't like the show the drags. <laughs>
1: Yes, I completely agree. It does. It, it's like, you know, it's a person saying something usually very simple at great length. Yes, uh, and I just find I I, just, I can't I, I can't do operas. My husband likes to go to the opera. Uh, he goes to the opera.
2: Oh, good.
1: Um, the secret to our success uh, as a couple is that I don't have to do the things that he likes to do if I don't also like to do them and vice versa. <laughs> That's perfect. And that extends to people as well as operas.
2: It's perfect. Uh,
1: and it works for us, yeah.
2: That work that works. I mean, that really, really works. But I, um, I do like when a drag queen drags. I like when a drag queen takes a long time to get to the point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have a confession to make about drag yes. and this makes me a terrible human being.
2: What is that?
1: Uh, I was a drag queen for like t- 10 years. I did drag really? and I still, I was going through old boxes in my house. I said, I still have a bunch of my drag. Wow. Um, and I watched RuPaul for the first like four seasons and I was in love with it. But then I like, I feel like I just kind of, I, I was done like, okay. Uh, like not, I've seen everything cause people are endlessly creative and there's yes. like new and more creative Queens all the time. But I just like reached my limit for, consuming drag or appreciating drag as someone who does it or as an audience member. And it's, you know, I guess after I'm 55 and I've been sort of out and gay for 40 years, yeah, uh, you know, and I started seeing drag shows for the first time when I was 16 years old. And I just like, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done. I don't need to to watch drag anymore. Not that there's anything wrong with drag or people who still like drag or people who do drag. And I was a drag queen. I always have to qualify this because people really (laughs) get their backs up. You know, oh, you don't watch Rue and you don't like drag. It's not like <laughs> I don't like drag. I like drag. I did drag. I'm just done with
2: yeah. drag. Yeah. You know, it, it is It is what uh, it is. And um, I think that there's many phases of it, you know, and it is a very large art form. So it's like music. I know. Make, there's something I'm like a drag
1: kinds. philistine. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll, <laughs> I'll catch a new groove, you know. When drag morphs again into something, you know, it's endlessly creative and it's always sort of digesting and regurgitating the culture, it felt felt more transgressive once upon a time than it does now. Um, And maybe it's the transgressiveness of it. Like it used to be this line that if you crossed, Mm -hmm. like people wouldn't date you if you did drag. And there are still some people who won't date you, but it's not not toxic the way it used to be. People loved you when you were in drag in a bar because you kind of were this... Priestess, you'd stepped out of the competition of desire in a gay bar. Right. Because when you went in in drag, it was like, you're the center of attention, but no one's sexual attentions are going to be directed your way. That's and right. And it was sort of like, for at least for the time you were in drag, it was like a vow of celibacy. Yeah. And so you could interact with people and they would be at ease with you because they knew you weren't trying to get in their pants. That's why you were in drag. If you're trying to get into someone's pants, you wouldn't be out in drag. Right. And, you know, that hyper-competitive masculine world of the gay bar, mm-hmm. like... Drag was really powerful really? for that reason, and I found it like very comforting because i 've never been really comfortable with that kind of you know male gaze competitiveness. I just don 't have yes. that in me either um and so I really loved doing drag but, but but it had so it had social consequences and um the barrier to entry now is lower, and I think because of that it's attracted a lot of people who otherwise wouldn 't do drag or are just doing it for attention. Right. Oh, I'm now I'm being the old fart who used no, to do no. drag pissing on the people who's doing drag now. So No, it cuz it's become a
2: different thing because the entry point is different. you know, the there's uh reasons the reasons for doing it have shifted. And mm-hmm. I think that um people get in it for different reasons and that that it used to be that you got into drag because um either nobody looked at you at all or you didn't know how to talk to people in any other way or you were afraid in general, or there was something that sort or of like you, pulled you out.
1: Or you know? it spoke to your soul and you had to do it. Yeah, that like there was the nothing the barrier to entry yeah. was really high. Like if yeah. you were out in drag, you had to do drag. Yeah. This was who you were. Right. And you had to do it. And now it's like, you know, you see people out in drag. Huh? A little bit, it's like modern dance or, <laughs> you know, abstract painting. Mm-hmm. like. Anybody can say they do it, or being a writer, anyone can say they do it, mm-hmm. um, and so it attracts a lot of people who could probably make better use of their time elsewhere. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm it's sorry, interesting. I'm, I'm a vicious no, but it's interesting person. because
2: you see now an entire uh, generation who have grown up with RuPaul's Drag Race. So then you see mm-hmm. people who have been raised on watching it, sort of in a very aspirational way, and then they grew up wanting to. be be like these queens that they've seen. And so they kind of reference them sort of all throughout the show as they progress. And it's it's really a strange thing. And then then all of these sort of like Instagram sort of fan accounts and then the, refer- the self-referencing and it's its own um, universe. You yeah, know? maybe I
1: just lost the thread. Maybe this is just me trying to reverse engineer an excuse for <laughs> not getting it because I stopped paying attention. You know, my husband and I like retreated for a while and had a kid and like maybe I just lost the thread and I don't get the references and it's not a problem with drag or the barrier to entries or more people doing it it's just a problem with me being an old faggot fart no
2: no no it's just a, a different, <laughs> it's just a different thing and then We're like, wow, you know, how much has been um, like when you come back to uh, gayness, when you like kind of, not that when you step away, because I don't think you ever step away from gayness, but when you go and like retreat into other areas of gayness, when you come back Mm -hmm. and you're like, wow, people have been being being real gay while I was gone. And you're like, woo, how gay it's, how gay we get, like, you know, like, (laughs) it's crazy. And you
1: know where else you see that? With sex. Like yeah. people were super like when I was out and for many years, like double penetration was just not a thing that the average person
2: yeah
1: aspired to, to, to use your word, that you t- uh, applied to drag. Like
2: yeah. now
1: it's like practically comes standard.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I don't mean
1: double. Pe- I don't mean spit roasting double penetration. I mean, two dicks, one hole.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's that's impressive. I mean, all of it, all of it. Like, I mean, the double penetrate, which sex in general, I think what's really impressive is um, bottoming, bottoming in, in like the newest forms of it or just, I mean, bottoming in general, like we thought bottoming was one thing, but we couldn't, I couldn't imagine the kind of bottoming that, you know, people get into now. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it's really, I, I'm really inspired and I'm really yeah, like, like var- amazed. amazed.
1: Like we all thought we were varsity level bottoms once upon a time. It turns out we were the JV. We just <laughs> never seen the, the varsity squad take the field. Yeah. You know, I'm, like my friend Devin Franco is the most amazing bottom on the planet. Yes. And uh, like I, you know, watch his video clips. I follow him on Twitter and I'm just constantly impressed and astounded.
2: Yes. Uh, Yes, by
1: what he's able to do, it's like watching Nadia Comaneci at the I 1976 know. Olympics.
2: Like, I want to get on the piano now and play Nadia's theme. <laughs> 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 it's really, I mean, it is, it is, it is impressive. And but yeah, like old girl, all old guard gayness. It's it's really I. But I think of you as new guard gayness always. And I think like when I think of you, like I really think about. Like, you should get, I don't, I was trying to look at the, the, the definition of who gets the Nobel peace, peace Prize, and I really do think you should get the Nobel Peace Prize for It Gets Better. Because oh, if, oh, oh. If, if it's like yeah. a peace prize, then it's like you should get <laughs> like a peace prize. Well, I mean, it, well, d- it is really well,
1: we, peaceful. I don't think we'll get a peace prize. Um, and of course, the the project, we had the impact that it did not because Terry and I made you know those hundreds of thousands of videos but because other people were so moved as to to make the videos and tell their stories mm-hmm. uh, but we did get an Emmy for it yes. so I think that's I think we we're prized out I think I think we got <laughs> we got a chunk of gold on the on the mantle and I think that's that's enough
2: but as a life-saving measure because I mean also like in terms of lives saved like it is on the level I think of you know the, the heroic, uh, life-saving thing, because I think of as a young gay myself, like, suicide was such a viable option. You know, when you're young mm-hmm. and you're gay and you're confused and you're sad, you could easily kill yourself. So many of us have.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that's what the people sharing their stories at the project did, is it gave people a vision for their own future that in some ways they, they, they could imagine, you know, they knew that, you know, people don't, unless they're raised on Mormon compounds in Utah with no access to the internet or any other media, they don't grow up now thinking I'm the only one in the world. I've never heard of anyone like me, mm-hmm. right. Who feels the way I do. But you know, people who are in terrible circumstances and who sometimes have no way out for right now think, can think that no one who's out there who's happy and queer and loved could have come from where I'm coming from, or, mm. or have you know endured what I'm enduring and made it. And what was so moving about so many of the videos is people were able to watch stories being told by people whose parents had the same reaction that their parents were having, mm. who were rejected or brutalized in the same way that they were being that they are being rejected or brutalized right now. And, you know, in some of the most powerful videos, you have parents sitting next to their adult queer kids apologizing to them mm. for how they treated them. And that gave a lot of people in tough circumstances a hopeful image for the future where, you know, their family could come around, which maybe they didn't picture being possible, but they saw other people talking about their families having come around. And that was, that was powerful where I'm constantly getting emails from people who say that the project helped them save yeah. their lives, changed them. Um, and I accept, I always accept their gratitude on behalf of everyone yeah. who, who made a video and participated in the project.
2: It's wonderful. And I think it really kind of gave um, the first ideas of uh, parenting to, gay people like it gave us this queerness like this idea of like oh well you know what let's just grow up for a second <laughs> like you can try <laughs> to be adults you know like look, say, parent because i think that like our generation too lost so many elders during aids that we forgot that we actually need to be grown-ups like i think we got stuck in this like perennial like childhood because we lost so many like of the people who were supposed to be old
1: Yeah, and and in a way, adolescence was all we were allowed, Mm -hmm. um, or all the culture was comfortable allowing us. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I remember when I came out to my parents eight billion years ago, their complaint was, you know, gay people don't get married and have children. And I remember looking at my mother and saying, and whose fault is that? Mm -hmm. Like, we didn't make up that rule. You did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and fuck you for throwing that in my face. Like It's, it's, it's like gay people invented our own oppression uh, so that we could escape into you know a life of never-ending pleasure and adolescence and, and indulgence. Like, uh, not that there's anything wrong with a life like that and straight people are free to choose to live that life, it's just they had more options. And that's yeah. all we ever wanted was more options. I'm not prescriptive about... Uh, parenting or settling down in some ways neither terry nor i have settled down despite settling down Mm -hmm. uh in some ways (laughs) you know you get to uh, assemble your own poo-poo platter
2: yeah i mean settling down is 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 definitely you get to describe or you get to prescribe it uh you know according to your own definition like we can settle down in any way we want to and settling down is sort of like it's a myth of like this idea. It's more just like grow into whatever life you want, but it's more. Right. um,
1: And having more options. And that's one of the things that's really interesting about right now is like so much of what we described as the gay lifestyle. There's nothing gay about it. It was just all we, again, all we were allowed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then when we were allowed more, some people who are gay, like don't want to have kids, don't want to get married. Um, prefer to have you know uh, serial monogamy successful short-term relationships multiple relationships that kind of you know web of lovers and social contacts that was for some of us uh, what we wanted for others of us what we were only allowed to have Mm. and what you've seen now is like more gay people living what was the straight lifestyle proving it wasn't straight necessarily but also more straight people living a gay lifestyle which proved that wasn't gay necessarily right my older brother billy jokes that in a lot of ways he's gayer than i am Mm. um he doesn't have kids Mm -hmm. uh he's he you know is is not monogamous um he's got a long-term partner but they don't live in the same place they have their separate apartments and you know He likes to joke that he's of the two of us. If you just looked on paper and stripped out the genders of everyone involved and tried to guess who the gay brother was, you would guess him.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think then that's, that's, then it's like a very, you know, then that's very like modern. You know, it's like we don't need to define. That's that, to me, that's the most modern thing we can be is when we don't Mm -hmm. have to define. And that's the best. Uh, yes, she is. Speaking
1: of kids. <laughs> this is the
2: gayest. I'm really like the most um, Palm Springs gay, although I don't live in Palm Springs. I do. I'm wearing a caftan over a bathing suit and I have a tiny <laughs> chihuahua.
1: You got to have some Bangley bracelets, although that's bad for recording an interview.
2: I know. I had to but. take them off to record. <laughs> And as with the rings, many rings that I have to take off to record. But it is te- it is very, very gay. Yes.
1: We're tempted to move to Palm Springs sometimes. Although to me, it seems like maybe the wrong moment to move to Palm Springs because of climate change. It feels like, you know, move to Palm Springs now. Uh, enjoy it for a couple of years and then die in the desert. I know, but it's all
2: of our friends are out there. It's all the people that you want to see anyway. So it's all of the mid mid century furniture and all of the, the people that, you know, you always want to see anyway and they're all in one place. So that's, that's the bonus that that's the bonus and, and the great part. Now, how is your, um, how is your quarantine uh, going so far?
1: Uh, Pretty good. You know, We can't complain, but somehow we manage. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm still employed. And, you know, I think of so many people out there right now who've lost their jobs, um, who can't pay their rent, who are in just the direst of circumstances. And we have, you know, a big house and there are three of us. So we have a little society and you know we're not wanting for anything and still the pressure is getting to us Mm -hmm. and so i can't imagine what people who are in much dire circumstances must be feeling and going through right now and my heart just aches for everybody
2: i know it's hard it's hard it's like a very strange and i mean i i really am aching for trying to figure out how to celebrate gay pride now This is always a very important time and one of the reasons why I wanted to speak to you and and different people to celebrate our month. It's our our one month of the year that we can do Uh our June, um, which this episode will go out on. And, you know, it's like I I never want to uh, forget where we come from and I never, you know, even though we we still have, we have come a long way. um,
1: We have. We have come a long way. We have come a long way, and there's nothing about acknowledging that that takes anything a- away from you know the awareness that we still have a ways to go yeah. and more progress to make. Um, I like to say that there's this right wing myth that uh, we can't risk any progress because society will collapse. Yeah, um, it's what they said about allowing women to vote, allowing gay people to serve in the military. Yeah, about ending segregation and Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. That you know it would be so destabilizing. We can't risk this. And then every time we make progress on, you know, extending the right to vote to women, um, allowing gay people to serve in military, society doesn't collapse, mm-hmm. A- and we should point to all the times they're wrong. Yeah. When they claim society will collapse if we move in forward in this way. But the left-wing myth is that there's been no progress. Mm-hmm. The left-wing myth is we're as racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, anti-Semitic uh, a country as we have ever been. And yeah. things are worse now than they have ever been. Yeah. And it actually undermines a really powerful argument for progress on the left if we can't acknowledge the progress that we have made already. Yes. Because yes. they're always wrong. They yes. always predict doom and collapse. They're always wrong if we can't, don't want to, or acknowledge or highlight where we've made progress, mm-hmm. and they, and then be able to point to all your predictions of doom and gloom were wrong. So mm-hmm. you were wrong last time. You're wrong this time. Um, it hampers, uh, it, it, you know, it it cuts our own Achilles tendons when we're trying to 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 run forward, and it's really dumb. Yeah, you know the the folks who said if we allow gay people to serve in the military. So, claimed that if you know Yen did don't ask, don't tell in the bands that five hundred thousand active troops would leave the military. Uh, two did. Two. And they were both chaplains, so not exactly mission critical can be spared.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And we should constantly point to things like that. Mm-hmm. Yet on the left we sometimes feel we can't because the left wing myth is there's been no progress. Right. And that is as dangerous in some ways a myth as the right wing myth that we can never risk any progress or society will collapse. That's right.
2: That's right.
0: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to health care. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com.
2: So how do we celebrate? I mean we celebrate I I'm gonna get some gay pride masks. <laughs> and i'm going to take some pictures uh outside um the front of my house in some yeah some gay pride flag wrapped up in some gay pride flags i might get a leather flag too i d- definitely fly both flags i guess i'll uh-huh. get a bi pride flag i don't really like the bi pride flag but i am bi proud
1: oh my god so, there's so many goddamn flags Who i know can keep track? i
2: like the bear flag as well
1: I like the bear flag, pla- <laughs> the bear flag, the bear flag, the the leather pride flag, the pride flag, the bi pride flag. Um, yes. I like the new uh, riff on the pride flag with the brown, black, and tan stripes. Yes, yes, um, yes. I like them all, but you you need a decoder ring <laughs> to figure out flag. exactly who's. Coming down uh, the street at a at your average pride parade, it's a little bit like the hanky code when it got a oh, little I ridiculous love, in the seventies. I 70s. love
2: the hanky code. There's also like the lesbian hanky code, which has sort of the um all of the different ones. And I like when the hanky code would put it like lace or velvet. To sort of denote like goth and like you know there was sort of like the <laughs> '80s ones where if you like a goth or like a yeah. like a goth BDS. but it was
1: impractical. It was like a the lot. idea behind the hanky code was you would put this hanky in your back pocket and go into a dark gay bar mm-hmm. and someone from the other side of the room would be able to tell the difference between light blue, blue, navy blue, robin's egg blue, I love it, and baby blue. It's so cute, and they all meant different things. And nobody had pen lights. You couldn't uh, really you didn't
2: really know, but it was a really cute, like it was right. a good, like poster because you could decode them all. And then I used to work at Stormy Leather down in uh, Soma, in San Francisco. So people uh-huh. would ask, actually, what the what the code was. And at one point, I really did know all of them.
1: It co- you know, the code only worked when it was simple. Red was fist-fucking, blue was mm. ass-fucking, yes. green was you could be hired, black was S&M, yes. gray was bonded. Like there was, it meant like there were six or seven and yes. they were bold colors and you could tell. But we're a classifying species and <laughs> queer people seem to be especially love uh, saying, you know, contradictory things like, lab- you know, I reject labels, but labels are so important. We have a yes. zillion of them. So many. Um, and, you know, you get to a point where you tip into nobody can possibly keep track It's
2: too many. It's too many. But it's it's a fun I like I like the idea of being tagged in the wild and then you can figure out like who's who and I, I think it's really fun. It's really I,
1: I do think it's fun. I'm just saying it's impractical. It is like, that there are eight thousand different pride flags, and you know the the, 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 the the demisexuals and different versions of demisexuals have their own different versions of pride flags, and it's just like okay, okay, okay. It's so
2: cute. But nobody's
1: gonna. Who's gonna know?
2: Nobody's gonna like, we have more, know.
1: More flags in the UN, and I challenge you to identify the flags of all fifty states. It's so. Like, I know. Nobody could do it's, it. It's so and, funny.
2: Yeah. It's so funny. But I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. Now where now yeah, where is sex going? Like I I get scared right now, like the people who are very active on all of the apps during the quarantine, because there's like time, I guess, for people to get down. But I'm like, but you you can't how do you do (laughs) how are you doing this during quarantine? How are you doing this? With your quarantine, yeah, well, getting it all. worry.
1: You know, I'm more worried about the people who are going to church, which <laughs> seems to be a very uh, effective place to to yeah, infect others that's and get worse. infected. That's way worse. It's it's more fun to talk about the people who are being dirty on apps because it's always more fun to talk about that.
2: <laughs> that's true. It's way worse than people that are going to like protest. <laughs> that's like so stupid. Right, that's and, and so stupid. going to
1: church. That's at dumb. least the person really who's. You know, I don't. I, I've urged people to be responsible, um, you know, to, to, to not hook up right now, to have sex with the people that you're already having sex with, that you're sheltering with, um, and to have like tons of online sex and cyber sex and video conferencing sex to pass the time and make dates for the future. But at least somebody who's, you know, sneaking out to have sex and taking that risk. And it's unfortunately not like sneaking out to ha- or having sex in the middle of the AIDS epidemic like I did, where I was only putting myself at risk. If you sneak out to have sex with somebody, you're putting everyone else you come into contact with at risk. And mm-hmm. your housemates and, you know, your parents, if you're sheltering with your parents, like you're taking on risk for others and that's morally questionable. Mm-hmm. But at least that person who's sneaking out for sex is only seeing one person. Um, right. The person who goes to church is seeing hundreds of people.
2: That's true. And that's it, a lot worse. It,
1: it, and if they're infected when they show up, mm-hmm potentially infecting not just the other people in church, but everybody that those people in church are going home to hang out with afterwards. Yeah. And it's- That's a million times worse. Yes. That's
2: so disgusting. Yeah, that's so disgusting. Yeah, what other options for sex? You can definitely do like a Zoom sex, like a Skype sex, like a cam sex, Um, Mm -hmm. which I think is hot. That's fun. I do like a VR sex moment um i haven't done that but i think that would be a good idea um
1: do you know what i think is really hot and you know i'm not so much into zoom sex because i don't want to have to look at myself <laughs> uh but like getting on the phone with you know somebody that is a sex partner of yours and mm. reminiscing like talking oh. about the hot experiences you've already had together oh, that's a good and idea. making some Plans and promises about hot experiences you're going to have in the future. Oh, that's good. I always think – but I'm, I have this weird hang-up about masturbation. Not that I am don't masturbate or I'm against masturbation. But my weird hang-up is masturbation should be about hope for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have I once got a question at Savage Love where somebody wanted to know how I felt about them masturbating. You know, they felt a, they were masturbating about a partner who had died recently mm. um, and felt a little squeaky about it. And I was like, it is kind of squicky. It's like masturbating about Marilyn Monroe. Like, I don't get it. Like, you want to masturbate about somebody you could potentially hook up with. I think that there's just something, you know, about masturbation that should be forward looking and and, and anticipatory. Right. Uh, And so, you know, getting on the the phone with somebody and talking about the stuff you've done and the stuff you're going to do. Yeah. To me, that's that's something to jack off to.
2: Yeah, that's hopeful. Um, That's definitely forward looking. And that's a good idea. That's good.
1: Right. And, and I think that can help get us through this time.
2: Yeah, that's optimistic. Like, rather than masturbating
1: about things that can't happen, masturbating right. about experiences you're not going to have this year because nobody can go to IML and nobody can go to Folsom or Pride, mm-hmm. masturbate about uh, Folsom next year. That's great. Masturbate about that's great. Uh, uh, IML next year.
2: That's great. That's a, I think that's that's a perfect thing to do, you know, because it's going <laughs> to happen next year and it's, you know, and it's. It's great, I mean, to look forward to that. And it's not going to be long. And I think, um, yeah, definitely. I've actually never been to IML, uh, but I imagine it's, it's a lot of fun. I have been to Folsom, though, and I look forward to going next year. I'm going uh, to go. As next, I. Yeah, I, I, I definitely now like all the thing is, is like I hadn't thought about it, but now it's like, oh, I really definitely want to go because it's like now I really want to partake in all of these events because, it, you know, you you just don't know when you're going to have a chance to do it again. And now it's like now I really appreciate all those things.
1: Right. You know, when there was a sense of, you know, I am all common once a year, but also Folsom and Dory. Oh, uh, Folsom yes. Berlin. Yes. lines It was possible to look at all these events and say, oh, there's so many and I can get to one whenever I want. I can go to an event like this. And now that they've all been taken from us, I think that we value each of them more. Yes. Uh, and we will uh, – We will. like some people are saying, you know, this is going to change how people go out. This is going to change how people um, – you know, whether people want to go to big mass events. I actually think this deprivation is going to make people hungry for those events again.
2: Yeah, and value
1: um, And a – And like you said, yeah, value it. Appreciate them more uh, and take them less for granted. There's so much about our lives now. Mm -hmm. uh, We realized that we had been taking for granted. Mm -hmm. uh, And I don't think we're going to make that mistake.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. Now, how would you suggest... Spicing things up with your regular, (laughs) like, quarantine sex partners, you know, the people that you are sheltering in place with on um, a regular basis. Like, would you say, like, what do you think would be the best thing to make it more fun for yourselves? Do you think that there's a way?
1: You can order toys. uh, You can fantasize uh, with each other. I think Dirty Talk is... You know, for those of us who enjoy it, I think it's really great. Yes, um, and I do think people have to be easy on themselves, though, and patient with their partners. There's some research out of Kinsey University, or pardon me, the Kinsey Institute, showing that a greater number of people, in reaction to the pandemic, are uh, finding their libidos tanking right now. Mm. Um, you know, something like forty plus percent people are reporting that their libidos are in the toilet, and thirty percent are saying that they're roughly are saying their libidos are actually higher now, that they're hornier
2: now. Yeah.
1: And the, the issue is there's a lot of people in the 40-plus percent who are partnered with people in the 30-plus percent. Mm. And how do you make that work? Like, Oh, yeah, you yeah. Know, you can't, I, I, and I think that's where sort of compassion-assisted masturbation, mm. uh, patience all comes into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call it the masturbatory assist at our house, TMA. Uh, also TMI, actually, when I'm talking about my sex life with Terry, but whatever. Um <laughs> Where, you know, if one of us is horny and the other isn't, the other will help the other jack off. Oh, whatever that's nice. Whatever that looks like, whatever that means. Yeah. The, the trick to the masturbatory assist, though, is if the person who's helping suddenly wants to upgrade to full sex, that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not okay for the person who's being helped to try to upgrade to full sex.
2: Oh, uh-huh.
1: Because uh-huh. then that makes the person who's there to help or there to assist feel like, you know, it disincentivizes actually helping if you're going to feel like you know, pressured and then feel like you failed or disappointed your partner because you, you know, agreed to play with their tits or talk dirty to them or sit on their face or whatever while they jacked off. And then they suddenly wanted more. And you were like, no, 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 this, I'm just here for the masturbatory. So, so it is this delicate balance where, yeah. you know, if the person with a lower libido is suddenly inspired and gets horny after they start to have, you know, start to help then it's okay for that person to initiate the upgrade Mm -hmm. but if the person who's being helped they just have to like accept that they're being helped unless the other person upgrades (laughs) it's a little tricky to explain no i get it i think that is something you know a lot of people are reluctant to help their partners masturbate Mm -hmm. because they feel like either i'm going to have sex or not have sex
2: yeah
1: um and if you if you feel like you can just you know be the warm body next to them, hold them, talk about, you know, say some dirty things, play at their tits, whatever it is that gets them off mm-hmm. um, without feeling like you're going to be made self-conscious about the fact that you're not horny right now. You're going to connect more. And then sometimes you'll both catch it. You know, there's that paradox. It's often gendered. Like they talk about this being like men get horny and want to have sex women many often start to have sex and then get horny Mm. so if you never you know entertain some sexual contact when you're not horny you're going to miss out on a lot of sex you might want to have right and it's difficult to talk about that because women are often in opposite sex relationships under such pressure to be sexual at times when they don't want to Yeah. and they can feel coerced or threatened so it's tricky to say to women like sometimes you should like kind of roll with it and then see Mm -hmm. it's easier to say that to a woman whose male partner understands that sometimes she'll like want to be a little intimate but won't want to have sex won't want to have intercourse and if you're okay with that maybe she might want to have intercourse if she's feeling like free and not pressured and and respected and safe with you because you're not gonna guilt trip her or whine yeah uh, or worse you'll have more sex than you do it's easier to navigate that stuff in same-sex relationships i find
2: yeah, I guess it would be because there's something about having um, that same gender. That sort of, I don't know. It makes it sort of a more of a lateral kind of conversation where you're both sort of understand certain things. But yeah, I I think that 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 that's real intimacy, though. You know, when you can really mm-hmm. like jump that divide and really talk, and that's I mean, that's that's what makes a relationship truly like intimate and makes truly last you know Mm -hmm. that's real love
1: yeah and like true love and the long-term relationship involves some maintenance sex yeah uh you you asked earlier about how to spice it up Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the relationship um you're the adventure there on Mm -hmm. uh and they're the adventure you're on. Mm. You don't know each other. You're taking these huge risks. You're making yourself really vulnerable. Yeah. Um, that gets the blood pumping and it feels scary, but also arousing. Yeah. 10 years in, 20 years in, Terry and I just celebrated our 25th anniversary. Mm. I'm not the adventure he's on and he's not the adventure I'm on. Yeah. For us to feel that sort of the thrill of adventure, we have to make an effort consciously as a couple to go on an adventure together. Yeah. To seek adventure out. And what a lot of people don't understand is that that adventure that they don't feel anymore uh, and that they grieve for that was they didn't fail. you know they haven't like they're not letting each other down because that's not there anymore. That's just built into the beginning of a relationship. yeah and if you want to feel that again, You got to link arms and go on an adventure together. Yeah. And it's harder to go on an adventure right now together as a couple Mm -hmm. because we're all confined to our homes. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of the places that people will go on adventure, even if they're going to be monogamous, but they'll go to like some sexy environment where maybe other people are having sex. They'll go to a sex club, only be with each other or a swingers party, but only be with each other if they're going to be monogamous. Mm -hmm. Um, Or they'll go to some like event like Folsom Mm -hmm. where there's just so much like sexual and erotic energy and they bask in it and then they go home and fuck the shit out of each other yeah and we're cut off from that right now yeah having you know linking arms and going on an adventure together Mm -hmm. so i think being a little easier on each other and saying you know right now things aren't going to be that adventurous doesn't mean it can't be hot doesn't mean we can't be intimate um maybe now we have the time for you know, enacting some elaborate fantasy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and we should, you know, lean in and make an effort to do that. Yeah. Uh, but pressure is a terrible thing, especially if two people in a relationship or two or three or four people in a relationship, if they find themselves at different ends of the uh, libido spectrum in reaction to the pandemic. Yeah. You know, if one person is tanking and the other person's horny, there needs to be an accommodation, there needs to be some indulgence and some give and take. And an allowance for that difference. Otherwise, it's going to become, a, you know, a focus of resentment for both partners and undermine the relationship.
2: Yeah. Wow. But I think that's beautiful. I think that's really sound. I mean, it's sound advice, and but it's really important. I think it's really important for for anybody. I mean, it, it's really important to know. I mean, even even like somebody that's like, even with yourself, you know, it's like just to know, like, we could do this for ourselves just to... You know, just to be content with ourselves. Like, don't be afraid to just really be able to sort of being able to be in, like, in this alone. Like, we could sort of do that exploration inside, too. Like, it's good to know, mm-hmm. like, this is fun. This is, like, this can be a fun exploration unto yourself. Like, figure also, out what planning.
1: we planning. Like. Yeah. Planning is fun. Mm-hmm. One of the take, you know, as the marital advice industrial complex became a little less... Uh, homophobic and open relationship phobic and a little less kink phobic. Mm -hmm. They looked at the relationships of people who had open relationships and people who were kinky or who were swingers. And they found that a lot of these people had better sex lives, not with others, but also just with their own partners Mm -hmm. because they were making sexy plans. Because in anticipation of going to the swingers club with the wife, the husband and wife were fucking because they were horny about this Date that was coming up, this planned yes. sex yes. that was coming up, and the kinksters who are you know going to have a big you know kinky play date or go to a big kink event yeah. are horny in anticipation of that event. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to stop us right now about from making plans mm. that we can feel horny about, even if we can't fully execute them, yeah. uh, and we don't know exactly when we'll be able to to with a partner like you know make a sexy plan Mm -hmm. um for the future and just talk about it yeah it's gonna make you horny yeah it's gonna make you horny right now in advance of like ever being able to realize that plan
2: i love it it's great well we have plans we have plans for iml (laughs) 2021 and terry and i have made
1: plans (laughs) yes
2: our big plans our big big plans it's so exciting
1: it is, it is. I
2: love it. Um, where can people find all of your stuff and stuff online and beyond um, on the on the uh, internets?
1: I've been writing Savage Love, my syndicated column, for th- almost 30 years. Amazing. I still write yes. it every week. Yes. Um, and you can find that and my podcast that I've been doing for 13 or 14 years now. Uh, both of them can be found at savagelovecast.com. Yeah, I'm still doing it. <laughs> You're the
2: best. Well, thank you so. much. And advice much. column
1: is such a great gig. You're yes, like, it's, I'm like Ann Landers. They're going to have to pry it out of my cold head, dead will, cold, dead hands one day. I I'm love not it. Get it up.
2: <laughs> well, thank you, thank you so much. And uh, tell Terry I said hi, and I miss you both. Thank you.
1: I will do. Do you remember when we first met? We were at a pride event. We
2: were in Stockholm.
1: That's right at Pride. Yes, and that's the first time I met you in person. That's and, right. Um, I, I just love you. And, I love and you. I wish you a happy pride, however you're going to celebrate it. It's
0: taking over my dreams, waking me out of my sleep. I think I'm coming apart. The Margaret Show is an Erios
2: production with editing apart. by Tracy Levy and original music by Garrison Starr. Never miss an episode of The Margaret yeah, Show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen.
1: know where to start. Coming out of-
0: Erios
2: Powered by Acast.
0: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers.